All right, all right, all right, all right. Good morning. How are we? Good, good, good. Hey, good to be here with you all. Uh, man, praise God for what he's doing in our bodies. A lot of cool announcements in there. Just uh, the Lord moving. It's exciting to kind of be a part of and uh, to get to pastor in. And so we also have a new covenant community class that's starting today after the second gathering. That's exciting. Five people are excited. Y'all will be more excited when you see beautiful faces up here in a few weeks. All right. So uh, there's a lot of cool things going on. It's fun to be a part of and just fun to chase Jesus with you all. So if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and grab them. We're wrapping up our series here. We're going to be bouncing around a little bit. So uh, we're going to start in the book of Genesis, though, really like the second page. So you could turn there. If you do not have a Bible, the ushers are going to be coming forward. If you would just raise your hand, they would love to give that to you. Uh, if you do not own a Bible, would you please take, keep that? That's our gift to you. We want you to have the word, be able to use it during the week. Uh, we say this all the time because we mean it. We want your eyes on the word, not just on Sunday, uh, but throughout the week as well, because we really believe that God speaks to us in and through the scriptures. And so uh, we'd love for you to turn and follow along with us. You can also follow along on your smartphone. There's all the ways to do that there. Uh, we would love for you to just be patient with us and um, just see what the Lord does this morning. So what we're doing today is we're finishing up our Resolve series. And since most of us have already broken our New Year's resolutions at this point, we figured we might as well wrap it up today, right? And so uh, we save the one that we usually make the most health-oriented goals for last, right? Why? I honestly don't know, okay? There's no real rhyme or reason for it, but I am excited about the sermon today. There's a ton to cover. Uh, and what we did so far in this series is we covered our spiritual rhythms, habits, how do we uh, add things in that will actually impact our eternities. The past two weeks, we talked about our financial rhythms. What does it look like to uh, have a heart posture that desires generosity because of Christ's generosity toward us? And uh, now we're going to look at our physical health, our bodies. And I would argue that this is the most complex one. And yet we're only spending one week on this. All right. We're going to Mark next week and begin the book of Mark there. But the reason it's so complex, I think, is that our theological uh, uh, understanding of the body is actually often divorced and far removed from our everyday lives and how we actually live in our bodies. You tracking with that? So our theological understanding, what we spiritually, what we kind of intellectually think about the bodies is actually far removed from how we practice that out. If you talk to most Christians, they will likely know how to read their Bibles, right? How to pray, or at least that they should. They would know fellowship, uh, gathering together with the saints, discipleship, evangelism. But if you were to begin to dive into, hey, how does our physical bodies, our, our actual beings, what we live and move and breathe in, like how does that impact us spiritually? How should we be thinking about that? I would think that most people wouldn't have a good biblical reference or understanding of what that actually looks like. It's kind of far removed from their everyday lives. What we think is that Christianity is just involved in our spirituality, but the reality and the beauty is that it's actually deeply involved in our physicality as well. Christianity does not just impact our souls, it also impacts our physical bodies, and our lack of understanding of that is actually not new at all. In fact, as soon as the church started, there was a group called the Gnostics that actually fought against the very idea we're even going to be talking about today. And much of the New Testament, they were kind of pushing back the theology of the Gnostics. What the Gnostics said was that the only thing that matters is your spirituality. This earth is kind of bad. There's nothing good in it. The only thing that has value or 
or importance is your spirit. And then also at the secular world at that time, they were saying, hey, really the only thing that matters is your physical. There is no spiritual. And so eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow you will die. And the same is true today where we're actually kind of fighting against both ends of the spectrum of that idea. And the reality within Christianity is that it's not a balance between those two, but it's actually an explosion of both of those ideas where our spiritual life does deeply, deeply, deeply matter but so does our physical life. There's something important about our bodies and about what we do with our bodies. God wants to interact in and through our physical bodies here on this earth. Now, our bodies, what we do with them, they actually matter greatly. In fact, what we do with them physically will often impact our spiritual life as well. And so what I want to do today is I want to journey through Genesis to Revelation. We ain't going to read every book of the Bible. Don't worry, all right? But I want to get a gospel narrative, okay? Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And I want us to see how from the very beginning, the body was actually something that Scripture was uh, thinking about. It was uh, purposeful in kind of discussing. And then I want to dive into a text in particular so that we can look at, hey, how do we add rhythms or habits that actually doesn't just impact our current present being like most of our New Year's resolutions do, but they actually begin to have drastic impact in our eternities as well. So we ready? Three people. Here we go. You're all like, oh, I don't know. Okay, here we go. First off, okay, in the very first pages of scripture, what you see is that the body was created good. There is a goodness in the body. In fact, it was created very, very good. We had physical bodies before the fall, right? So we weren't just like Casper ghost-like beings, okay? We had physical bodies that God created and called it very, very good. In fact, as you can see there on the screen, we see right away in Genesis chapter 2, which is a zooming in on the creation of God. In verse 7, we see this. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And so God is not just creating, but he's actually intimately crafting humanity here. Everything else in existence, he actually speaks into existence, but humanity, he bends down and he begins to form them, it says. He breathes into their nostrils the breath of life. There's all this intimacy, but there's the physical touch of God in our physical beings immediately from the scriptures. We see in Psalm 139 that we were knit together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, it says. And so literally, not only is the body good, but every single body, even in the womb, is being intricately touched and created by God. And whatever God touches is good. And so here he is touching. There's physical, uh, 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 phys physicality with us, but there's also physical intimacy between us and God even. The story continues in chapter 2, verse 21 through 23, we see God further creating humanity, and it says this, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up his place with flesh, and the rib that God had taken from the man was made into a woman and brought her to the man. The man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So Adam wakes up from the sleep and is like, ding, right? That's what the Ebonics translation translates into, right? <laughs> flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. You looking good, girl. I'm going to take you home. <laughs> That's what I said to Natalie, right? 
You got to spit game sometimes. You want that girl, right? Okay, so Adam here, he's spitting game, right? But look at all this physicality, right? God is physically touching, right? God opens the flesh, grabs the bone, closes the flesh, forms a woman. God is intricate. And then man comes and he's like, dang, right? And there's physicality between him and his wife. And there's all this physical nature in the scriptures way before the fall. The body was created good. And so bodies are good in and of themselves, right? However, we know that the story doesn't end in Genesis 2, We know that the fall happens, that man decided to go their own way, to rebel against God, to be our own sovereigns, to say, I don't want your rule. I'm going to apply my rule. And we begin to break the law of God. And what begins to happen is that uh, usually when we look at the fall, we think about it in a spiritual and in a relational nature. And both of those are true. We were spiritually separated with God. The relationships between us and God and us and others were harmed. This is uh, undoubtedly true, right? However, if you look at the narrative, I want you to pay attention to how much physicality is involved in the fall itself. I'm not going to read the whole narrative for the sake of time, but I want to zoom through. It's on the page here, right? Go ahead. You could go back to that. And I just want to highlight a couple of things. The mechanism that was used for temptation was food right? We see that. With her ears, she listened to the serpent. With her eyes, she looked at the fruit, and she looked at it. It looked good to eat. Eat there, right? With her hands and her mouth, she took and ate, and she gave some to her husband. With his hands and his mouth, he also ate of it. Immediately, they felt the consequences of sin in their bodies, Because then all of a sudden their eyes were opened and they saw their nakedness and they were ashamed and they made clothes. And so immediately what we see is this physicality. There's there's all of this uh, intricacy within the physical nature that we see beginning to be corrupted at the fall. So we see immediately how drastically sin impacts our bodies. From the very beginning, there was this distorted way that we began to then think and feel about our bodies at large. Then when you go on in the rest of Genesis, when we see that God judges sin, he also judges it, and the bodies are at the center of attention there. If you go to the next slide, we see that the Lord said to the serpent, on your belly you shall go, the physical nature there. Eve would feel pain in childbearing. Adam would have to toil and sweat for food, get cut up by the thorns and thistles that are there, and eventually everybody would physically die. We would return to the dust. Our fall was not just a spiritual divide between us and God, nor a relational divide between us and others, but it was even a physical divide. Our bodies are beginning to be broken because of our rebellion against God. And ever since then, our bodies have been under attack from disease, right, and and sickness that we feel, to us feeling like Adam and Eve, we have to wear these leaves because there's shame in our bodies, maybe because something has happened to us or something that we've done, and so we feel this shame physically, or maybe we try to uh, make up what we're lacking uh, uh, spiritually, so we try to make it up in our physical uh, uh, bodies, and so we wear them Louis Vuitton leaves looking like everything's all right, right? When in reality, there's brokenness inside. We try to display, no, 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 we're good. But in reality, there's all of this corruption. We have broken bodies, right? Shoot, just this week, I felt the reality of that. 
once a month, what I try to do is I try to fast, and I try to fast for an individual covenant member in the church, and then I also want to pray for something over the church at large. And so this past Wednesday, I did that. And I can't tell you how many times this past Wednesday, I did not want to deny my body to connect spiritually with God on behalf of somebody else who I deeply love in this church, but I was so tempted and desired so much to like go get a Chipotle burrito, right? Like, then bad boy was just giving E. coli to everyone, and I want one of those things, right? And so it was so hard for me to maintain that because I would rather satisfy my physical flesh than interact and use my flesh to really connect with somebody else spiritually or to connect to God spiritually, and it was difficult. Then Friday happened. I'm on my way over here to the science fair, and I'm ready to just be like, hey, what's up, everybody, and bless Campbell. My wife calls, hey, my brake line went out and my gas line went out and I can't brake or rev up my car and I almost killed somebody. And so I was like, that's terrifying. So she was like crying, you know. So I was like, okay, I'm going over there. I'm not gonna lie, I was a little bit like frustrated because I had my whole day planned out and I was all jacked up, right? And so I'm driving over there. I know I'm selfish, go ahead and judge me, it's okay. And I'm driving over and I'm like, I'm gonna have a good attitude. I'm gonna bless my wife, she's distraught. We're about to have to buy a new van. I'm gonna be mad at that. We talked about money, God, you can do it with my money, whatever you want, all right? And so here I go, I'm driving over there, right? We get there, her car's like in the middle of this parking lot. And I uh, said, hey, let's put it in a neutral and let's at least push it onto a side street so it doesn't get towed, you know? So we put it in neutral. My girl's crying inside the car and I start pushing that bad boy. And then I'm kind of feeling good about myself, you know? Because I'm like, I'm pushing my whole family in this car. Here we go, right? What I didn't know was that it was leaking gas and oil. So as I began to push it, I slipped, bust my face on the car, and started bleeding all over the place. I was so angry, y'all. I was, I was like punching the seat. Makai was like, what's wrong? I was like, nothing, I'm mad, right? I was so mad. As I felt my physical body breaking down, the first thing I did is say, God, why do you always have to give me a sermon illustration the week I'm preaching on this joint, all right? And I was mad, all right? But then I began to realize, like, no, 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 my body's breaking down, right? I'm, I'm, I'm inside, my mouth's all cut up now. I'm having a hard time talking a little bit, right? Because the body is not what it was supposed to be. It's fragile now. It breaks down. Even when I'm trying to do good, it breaks down on me in a way, right? And so we feel the brokenness, whether it's in a silly example like that or a spiritual example like fasting or maybe there's been harm done to our bodies, whatever it may be, we feel the brokenness of our body. And if we look in Scripture, we realize that all throughout Scripture, it actually highlights the brokenness of the body at large. However, the body doesn't stay broken. Just as uh, after creation comes the fall, so after the fall comes our redemption. And what we see is the God-man, Jesus Christ, who in John 1, chapter, four, or chapter 1, verse 14, it says, the word became flesh. Have you ever thought about that statement there, y'all? The word became flesh. In fact, if the body is bad, then Jesus must be bad because Jesus came down fully human. But we know that's not true. Jesus is not bad. He is fully good. So the body is actually good in and of itself. Jesus did not come just spiritually to heal us spiritually, but he also came physically to begin to redeem our physical bodies as well. There's redemption in this. Christ is working in something. We'll hit on this more in a moment. But if you look at the, the, the cross of Christ, the moment where he's paying for this restoration, he's paying for the fall, pay attention to how much spiritual or physically is happening here. Uh, Matthew chapter 27, verse 28. Listen to this. Think, listen to all the physicality that's in here. 
and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Hello, he's wearing clothes like Adam and Eve. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head, and they put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him, and they took a reed and struck him on the head. And when they mocked him and stripped him of the robe, they put their own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. As they went off, they found a man of Serene, Simeon, or Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but before he tasted it, or he would not drink it. And so we see all this physical nature, flesh, bones, the body is involved in the crucifixion of Christ. Jesus is suffering physically because that's exactly what we deserve, physical death. And yet, God longs to restore us physically, and so Jesus comes to suffer physically that our bodies may be restored one day. Jesus is paying for the very punishment that we should have been paying. And one day, we will have physically resurrected bodies. 1 Corinthians 15 says that our bodies will not be some mystic spirituality. We're not going to be floating around like angels. No, just as Jesus physically resurrected, so we will physically resurrect one day, unifying ourselves even that much more with Christ. And in Revelation, what we see, when John looks into the heavens, in Revelation chapter 5, verses 5 through 6, we see this beautiful picture One of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and the seven seals. Now, if you stop right there, what you think you're going to see is this conquering lion, this ruling Jesus. But between the throne and the four living creatures among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Consider this. John, when he's in heaven, looks up and sees Jesus still rocking his physical body, right? He's still wearing the very clothes, the body that he came down in. Why is that? Well, because the body is not bad. The body is good. If it were bad, Jesus would be a spirit being only in heaven, but he doesn't do that. He maintains this physicality. Why? To showcase even for us that the physical is not bad. He is working back into creation what it's supposed to be. He's redeeming all things, restoring all things. There is importance. And so all throughout the scriptures, we see this if we're looking for it. In fact, once you begin to see it, it's hard to unsee how much the scriptures are actually involved in our physical bodies, in our our day-to-day uh, operations and how we think and move. So much of us that is impacted spiritually by what we do physically and vice versa. What happens with us physically is impacted by us spiritually. And so you even see different things like when we posture ourselves in prayer on our knees, it impacts our spirituality. When we lift our hands in worship, it does something to us spiritually. Our physical posture even impacts what happens to us spiritually. The physical body matters. All throughout the scripture, we see the importance of this. And so what I want to do is I want to zoom into one text in particular, spend just a little bit of time in there, because if that's true, if the gospel shows us that, hey, this physical world matters and Christ is trying to redeem this, then what do we do with that? How do we actually apply that into our lives? Why do we change our day-to-day life to begin to live like God is redeeming our physical bodies? And so if you flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6, is where we're going to camp out the rest of the day. And I want to read this section at large because Paul is addressing this very thing. 
with a church who doesn't really think the body matters that much. And so he goes in, beginning in verse 12. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body, but sexual immorality, uh, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. There's a bunch going on in here, I know. What we see is this church that didn't have a high value for the body. And so what Paul begins to do is he actually breaks down two of their statements that they use on a general or on a consistent basis. In fact, most scholars believe that uh, even the poets would use this at their times. So if you look in verse 12, you'll see these quotation marks, right? Why? Because Paul's quoting somebody, most likely them. And so their first quotation mark there is, all things are lawful for me right? Hey, I can do whatever. There's freedom in Christ. So what's the attitude? The attitude they have is, hey, we have liberty in Christ, and so we're free to do whatever we want to do. However, Paul then has a gospel response. He says, well, hey, that may not be untrue, but because of what Christ has done for us, we actually now can submit to a bigger truth. And what we say is, hey, but not all things are helpful for me, and I will not be enslaved to anything, what Paul is saying here is that gospel freedom means that we are free not just to consider what is good for us or that we're able to do whatever we want, but we're also free to consider how do we lay down our lives for the sake of others. We're free to deny our bodies that we may bless somebody else. We're free to make sure that we're not enslaved to anything in that way. And so we're free, right? There is freedom. There's truth in that is what Paul is saying. So we're free to enjoy food or sport or drink. Those are good things. In fact, I wrote part of the sermon at Lazarus Brewery with another pastor. Don't at me either, right? Like, man, this is okay. You can do that. But, but it says, I will not be enslaved to anything. Nothing will actually control me. I will never go to a point where I am unable to have full capacity over my body because my body matters is what Paul is saying. The gospel shows us that there's importance in this body. And so Christ can help me say no when I need to. Not all things are helpful. I will not be enslaved. Does the gospel interact with your physical bodies like that? Then he goes on. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food is the next quote he has. The attitude here is that, hey, it's just your body, right? And so if it feels good, do it right? Your body was made for food is what they're saying. And so therefore it's good. It nourishes you. And the body was made for a lot of different things, right? But if it feels good, then do it because the body was meant for it. However, what the gospel response is, is it says, no, no, no. The body is for the Lord and the Lord is for the body. And this gospel response that Paul gives here is actually really, really crazy. When you think about it, Paul says the Lord is for the body. Like think about the implications of that for a minute. Right? First of all, 
He's interested in your body. He cares. He's for it. He is thinking about it, right? Second implication, he is for your body. Literally, your body is designed to need the Lord. And so as you bring the Lord into your body, then you feel this coming alive that you've never felt before because the Lord is for the body, right? The body was created to receive the Lord is another way to say that. This has unreal implications. God is interested and intimately involved in what we do physically, right? And, and we can't just do whatever we want to do. What we see, what Paul is doing here, is he's warning against the spectrum that we so often find ourselves behind. What the spectrum is, is that on one side, we neglect our bodies, right? And we kind of uh, don't care about them. And so we'll indulge, we'll not take care of ourselves. And Paul is saying, hey, look, neglect isn't helpful. This isn't a gospel response because God will literally raise your body. God cares about the body. You can't not care about your body. It's important. God is doing something here, but we can also have control, right? Where we go too far, where we actually allow our bodies to be our God. And so we become over-interested in working out or over-interested in health, like that is going to restore the brokenness that we feel. No, only the Lord will restore the brokenness that we feel, no matter how healthy we may be. And so we can try to control all things, forgetting that God is sovereign. So we think way too much about when we're going to work out and, and what we're going to eat, and we become overly healthy like vegans, right? I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. Y'all knew a vegan joke was coming, all right? Talking about the body, you know. I was vegan this summer for a little bit. It was really, really good, okay? So once again, don't at me. I ain't got Instagram anyway. I don't know why I said that twice today. At Nick, if you want. He actually really enjoys getting those conversations. I'm totally kidding, all right? But we can be uh, enslaved to working out, control, or enslaved to eating too much, neglect, right? We could be enslaved to the law. I'm never going to enjoy the good things that God has given me because I'm going to be so above and we begin to control rather than feeling the freedom we have in Christ. Or we can be enslaved to drunkenness, neglect, and we can go on and on between those two. The gospel says, I don't want you to neglect the body because it matters, but I don't want you to be controlled by the body. Rather, there's a middle ground in here. I want you to steward the body. What you need to practice is stewardship, you need to begin to think, how do I use this gift that God has given me as a body to begin to uh, bless his name and impact the world around us? Your body is meant to glorify God, which it says there at the end. So glorify God in your bodies. So how do we steward it? Just like our giving that we talked about the last two weeks, so our physical body, we can take care of it and we can steward it for the sake of the gospel. Just as we can use our money to highlight the value of God, to show we care more about God than this world or to bless others in our generosity, so it's true with our body. For think about even the gospel. It's with your feet that you bring the gospel message itself. Our physical bodies matter. It's with your mind and your tongue that you preach or speak or write about the beauties of our God. It's with your arms and your hands that you hug and comfort somebody who's hurting. Our bodies, they matter. They impact what happens spiritually. So we can actually steward our bodies to bless others for the sake of the gospel. And so if you're not taking care of your body or if you are over-controlled by your body, then you are not really living in a gospel state. You're living in an enslaved state, in a state that actually shows we don't have a gospel understanding. We're still feeling the brokenness of sin, and we're living in that far too much. What can happen with the body is actually holy pleasure and humble service. That's what we need to be thinking about. 
There's holy pleasure, pleasure in the right ways, right? God has given you this body that you may enjoy things. Like, think about it. God didn't make food just some tasteless thing, right? He made all sorts of food and all different types of palates that you may enjoy. Like, God could have just made trees grow all over the place. You eat a leaf and then you get full and that's how you get nourished, right? He could have done that, right? Like, think about this, y'all. But instead, he says, I want to create that you may enjoy that you may experience. God is for your enjoyment, but at the same time, we say, no, 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 but I'm also going to humbly serve with my body. I will give up things if it means uh, honoring somebody else. And so this is why when Paul gets extreme here, he talks about sexual immorality and the prostitute and things like that. He's saying, hey, you don't get to do what you want with your body because when you join yourself to sin, you are neglecting the body and this is not good stewardship of your body, right? There's an importance in this. In fact, he goes on to say, when you join yourself to sin, you're actually joining Christ to this. I mean, could you like, just ponder that for a moment. Like, I can't even articulate what's going on there in my mind. Like, think about this. When you join yourself to sin, you're joining Christ to this, is what Paul ends up saying. I know this is wild because we don't think like this as a culture. We don't think about how our bodies impact our spirituality, but Paul is getting really, really deep here. That's why, do you ever wonder when you sin, you can feel the weight and the heaviness of your sin? It's like it's grating against your soul because it is. What we do physically, it messes with us. Paul says that's why you need to be careful here because you were made for more. You are literally a part of Christ now. Like look at the statements he says here. It says we become one spirit with Christ. One spirit, our bodies unite our souls in a way. It says that our bodies are temples. It's where God now lives. Sheesh, right? This is crazy. God lives inside of you. What type of craziness is this, right? Our bodies were purchased by God, it says. You were on your way to corruption, but God purchased you by paying the penalty of sin with his own body that you may be restored, and now he lives inside of it. This is unreal. Our bodies are important. You were bought with a price, and so your bodies are not your own. They're his. Because if they are your own, and if you want to maintain it yourself, then when you die, good luck trying to resurrect yourself. But God actually comes and says, no, 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 I'm going to redeem you because I love you, because I want you in my family, so he purchases you that he may even resurrect your physical bodies one day. Now when we give ourselves over to the Lord, right, then we're giving ourselves to his service, and we begin to come alive in ways that our bodies were meant to from the very beginning of creation, This is what God is doing in this. Simultaneously, y'all, I feel it. I feel it in my spirit, okay? I I want to say this for someone. Listen to what that text says, y'all. It says, you were bought with a price, okay? What does that mean? It means you are valuable to God. Listen, the price wasn't just like $2.99 either, right? The price was the precious blood of the sinless, perfect, spotless Son of God. Jesus himself laid down his life that he may purchase you. You were bought with a price. You matter, y'all. You matter to God. I know that some of you, I, just, I feel it. You're, you're struggling with self-doubt and self-worth or, or maybe even harmful habits. And what the scriptures say is you matter. You were bought. God sees the value in you that he would lay down his life that he may restore you. This is unreal, y'all. This is unreal. You were bought with a price, right? 
And so we see in this even the Trinity involved within the purchase of the body. For the Father creates us and buys us. The Son redeems us and pays for us. The Holy Spirit now dwells inside of us. The whole triune God is interested in what we do with our bodies. They matter. They matter. They matter what we do. And so that's why it says, look, you can't just go have sex with whoever you want. You're meant to be one with your spouse and with Christ, and that's it. Everything else, it grates against your body. You are joining together with what Christ does not want you to join together with. Indulgence in working out or in eating. Neglect in nutrition. Or maybe physical violence that you have. Or a lack of sleep even. A lack of water. Like all these little things. Our, our physicals hold our soul. And so it matters, y'all. All of this matters. And I know this can be heavy, right? And I think it is heavy because a lot of us, we don't think about it a lot, and we don't put a whole lot of stock into our body. We only think spiritually, and so we treat our temples like trash cans, and this is not okay, y'all. This is not okay. So I know it's heavy, right? There's a way that we should view our bodies, and the way that we often view them, it's not healthy. We view them as if these bodies don't really matter a whole lot. And so we only think about taking care of our spiritual, but taking care of our physical, listen, y'all, that matters as well, right? Stewarding it for the sake of God. In fact, I know that it's sensitive because three different times in our staff meeting, we have uh, staff exegesis every Tuesday, so our whole staff gets to uh, give input into what we're preaching about to kind of help the preacher, to kind of give other perspective, right? And three different times, I wrote these all three down, here's the three things that our staff team said about this. They said, hey, be careful not to shame people's bodies. You want to be really careful on how you preach that people don't feel shame in their body, well, another one said, hey, don't make fun of healthy people either, right? You can make a vegan joke, but that's it, right? They said, hey, don't make fun right, of healthy people because you can shame them on the other side as well. One person said, hey, be careful because of all of the physical abuse that has occurred. This can stir up a lot in people. And so our whole staff team, they were concerned with how this would land because I think that they know, like we know, that we don't think about this a lot. And so when we begin to think about it, it might begin to stir up things because we don't really have a good theology of the body, y'all. We don't think about how it impacts us. And so when we do think about it, it can begin to hurt. Because oftentimes we do not live in the redemption of Christ. We don't know how to apply the gospel into our bodies. We do what we want, so we overindulge or worship or we sin in our bodies and we can feel the weight of that, right? But here's the deal, friends. Thinking about it and doing a bunch of good things or changing our rhythms and habits, that's really, really good, right? Like if you're like, man, I want to go drink more water and sleep more, that's a great application to this, but it's not enough, right? What we need is actually a gospel perspective, See, in fact, all throughout this uh, very, very, per- the, the very letter here, what Paul is doing is he's saying, hey, here's how you think, but before I give you practical application, I want to give you this gospel truth, right? You see that? Hey, here's how you think. This is your attitude, but here's how the gospel responds to that. Therefore, here's what you do in light of the gospel, And so what we need is we need a new perspective. We need to have our eyes fixed on Christ, that our affections might be stirred, that we might have the right thinking, that we may live the right way then. We need to hear the command of of God there at the end to glorify God in your body. And then as Paul does, put all these gospel truths in it. And so can we just worship here for a moment, y'all? Like, think about the Son of Man, the one we already said, who became flesh, the one we already read about, who was beaten and mocked for us. Like, think about Jesus as being our example. Think about it. We try to often dominate or manipulate with our bodies. 
Maybe you've been dominated or manipulated by someone else. But Jesus comes and he was meek and he actually triumphed through his weakness, the scriptures say. Our bodies, we often use them to try to draw attention to ourselves that we may be elevated. But in Isaiah, it says, Jesus had no beauty that we should look at him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Jesus did not live for the attention or the approval of others. And yet one day, all attention and all approval will be given to that man. We see Jesus as our example. We treat our bodies as a pleasure source. Jesus enjoyed pleasure, but he often denied himself for the sake of others. We often avoid people who are physically unappealing, but Jesus went and touched the unclean. He healed the sick. He was found amongst the prostitutes and the tax collectors, right? Jesus was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton because of how much he was with them. He was physically in their presence. We act as if we're autonomous. I could do what I want. This is my body. But Jesus submitted his body to the Father's will to the point of death, even death on a cross, it says. Jesus is our great example because we also act like our body is temporary. But Jesus knew the whole time this is an eternal matter. Your bodies are eternal, right? They matter deeply. Everything about the life of Jesus shows us the immense value of the body and that he was working toward redeeming it, friends. He wants to redeem it. He wants to restore it, all the brokenness he will one day cover. Because here's the deal. Not only is Jesus our great example, but he's also our atonement. He's our forgiveness when we fail in our bodies. You see, Jesus came down, as we already read, and his flesh was divided in two, and his blood was spilled. And the very body that we're about to enjoy in communion in just a moment, that body was broken for you. Why? So that our bodies, who should be broken forever, will no longer be broken. They will be redeemed. And one day we will be physically worshiping with all the saints of God, our physical king on that great day. This is what we look forward to. This is what we long for. In fact, it says that there will be no more sun. There will be no more moon. Why? Because Jesus Christ will be the radiance of glory. This is unbelievable. You ever go outside and like you feel the warmth of the sun? It feels so good. You ever think that one day you'll be basking in the warmth of Christ? Your physical bodies, they matter. And Christ wants to redeem it. And he came down to do just this. And so what do we do, right? How do we then apply that? If we believe this to be true, then how does that actually change our lives? Well, I think that it's uh, really, really uh, easy, right, when we begin to think about it. We just apply simple truths, and we have a gospel perspective behind of them. So for some of us, we actually need to give thanks for our body because God gave it to you. This will be enough challenge for a lot of us. Like, thank God that you're black, right? Thank God that you have nappy hair. Thank God that you are a woman, right? I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about y'all, okay? <laughs> right? Thank God, right, that you, uh, whatever it may be, you know, maybe you're, you're have more intellect than athleticism, and that's great, right? Or maybe, I don't know what it is, but begin to thank God for the bodies that he gave you, for he created you in your mother's womb. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing, right? For those of us who tend toward neglect, your body matters, you should take care of it. And so where you find neglect, man, apply the gospel. My body matters. God lives in this. And try to find ways to take care of it. For those of you that tend toward obsession, listen, you can take care of it, but you don't have to fret over it. You don't have to worry your concern. God is sovereign, and he will raise your bodies one day. You don't have to obsess. You don't have to control. God is in control. You can give that over to the Lord. For those of you who have indifference, Man, see how much the scripture cares about this. 
For those of you who dwell in indulgence, you sin and you do whatever you want in your bodies. Man, the gospel says, lay that down. That's not good. Don't join Christ to that, right? Realize that there's something greater or better. Our goal should be aimed at glorifying God in our body. And so whether we eat or exercise or drink or, or, or deny ourselves for the sake of others, whatever we do, we do this for the glory of God, this text says. And what we do will be rewarded one day, y'all. What we do in the physical has spiritual implications throughout all of eternity. And so when we handle our physical bodies well, God will reward that in the end. There is an eternal impact in this. So the gospel sets us free to enjoy and to treat our bodies like a temple, right? I remember when I was young, I used to not cuss in church. I say used to, like I'd just be dropping them words now, but that's not what I meant, okay? I used to not cuss in church, right? Because I would feel like this is a sacred place, right? And it was in a way, but I was wrong. That place wasn't sacred. I was. What if you believe that about your bodies, that God dwells inside of them, and what you do, they matter, We're all going to have to apply this differently, but I pray that we would find application and that we would find restoration to where maybe even our bodies were hurt by another. Listen, friends, Jesus' body was also hurt by another so that even that can be redeemed. Every part of us will be redeemed spiritually, emotionally, and physically, and we long for that day. Let us be a church that actually lives in that. Amen? I love you guys. Let's pray.